0: Now, for the show that brings combat sports stories to life from the great state of Ohio, this is Forged in Ohio.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 40 of Forged in Ohio. My name is Jake Marin, and I'm the host of the podcast, the big 4-0 for Forged in Ohio. With it being episode 40 of the show, I wanted to make it pretty special, and I was fortunate to be contacted by a promotion in Akron, Ohio, for it. I've featured many fighters who have competed for them on Forged in Ohio in the past, and they have an upcoming event on August 12th where Branson, the one, Price, and Luke McMurtry fight for the featherweight title, of course. I'm talking about Cage Thunder 22, and I can't wait to talk about the card and a whole lot more with the promoter of Cage Thunder, Randy Jarvis. Thanks for coming on the show, Randy, and welcome to Forge in Ohio.
0: Jake, thanks for having me. appreciate it.
1: Yeah, of course. I appreciate you reaching out and getting in touch with me and getting on this podcast. Before we get into anything else, whether it be Cage Thunder's history, upcoming events, or even your story as well, I know you wanted to come on here to clear the air on certain things. I'm unaware of what these things are, but I'm eager to learn along with some listeners. So the floor is yours.
0: Well, I think there's, there's fights out there that um, we're trying to make that, I'm not gonna say any names. I won't say fighters on our side and fighters that we're trying to attract into our promotion, but we have fighters that fight for us and they would be willing to fight for any promotion to fight the best guys, you know, especially guys that are top ranked in the state and these fights are being turned down or other fights are being taken in in the process. You know, whenever I have a guy that is willing to fight anybody, my first communication after the fight, are they healthy? Do they? You know, they're still interested to fight, and we're trying to make those fights. But it's been it's been pretty hard. And on the you know, with the Ohio Athletic Commission, you have to have nine fights to turn pro. So if you have a guy six and one, seven and one, it's extremely hard to find them fights. And if you have other guys ranked in the top five or even the top three of the state, and you can't make those fights on at any promotion, it makes things difficult. It makes our jobs hard. I think it makes the job of every promoter in the state very hard.
1: Now, is this critique coming from fans or other fighters saying, "Hey, why aren't these fights happening?" Or where is this kind of uh, a thing coming from?
0: Yeah, well, you know, fighters. It's coming from the promoters dealing with uh, the coaches for for each respective fighter. Um, we'll leave it at that. Okay. Yes. But, but we got guys at Cage Thunder that are that are that are ranked high that that want to fight the best, and the only way that we can make that happen is for all of the promotions, all of the coaches, all of these teams to get together and just make these fights. These are what the fans want and uh, it's good for everyone's career. You know, getting back to the having nine fights. Well, if you're a 6 and 0, 7 and 0 amateur fighter but you've beaten everybody in the state and you cannot find a fight, then the athletic commission can, you know, waive some some things to make that happen.
1: And when it comes to putting these fights together, and I guess the difficulty that goes into it, is it mainly the coaches and the teams that are saying no? Or like, have you talked to a fighter that, yeah, does want to fight this 7 and one amateur who's looking to turn pro, but maybe it's the coach or team that's kind of holding them back in that type of scenario?
0: Correct. So my matchmaker will, will get in contact with each fighter's respected coach and try to make that fight. On the pro side of things, uh, for the pro pro fighters, typically it'll be my matchmaker touching base with each each respected coach or manager, and then I will follow up with the conversations of contracts and negotiations there.
1: And how closely do you work with your matchmaker, Scott Corbin, Four Cage Thunder? It sounds like you guys are a two-man wrecking crew when it comes to booking these fights and making these events happen.
0: That's correct, yeah. Scott and I probably talk, ah, five times a day probably an hour two hours each day so we we communicate a lot together and Scott he's he's very proactive uh he's a go-getter he stays on top of things which sometimes I can be a little bit lax so we kind of fill each other's void so to speak and uh he's very persistent with trying to make these fights and Scott is known for for years to uh to match people tough so if if you're a fighter you know we don't have guys that technically just fight under our banter but he is uh he's known to put put people in tough uh so you know it's not like we're protecting guys uh over at cage thunder
1: is that one of the most frustrating aspects of the job i guess when you're trying to make these big fights and whether it just be some drama getting in the way or coaches saying no and these big fights and these guys wanting to get these fights before turning pro it just doesn't end up happening
0: yes it it is um you know it's hard if you sign a fight eight nine ten weeks out it's 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 hard for these fighters to stay healthy and uh you know fights fall through all the time so you know you could be four weeks in the training camp and a new a new opponent gets presented and it's it's a mind game a little bit you know fighters have a lot of self-doubt so you know any anything that's going wrong in their lives maybe could could sh- push them away from not taking the fight uh so to speak um but yeah
1: yeah, and something that fascinates me about the fight game is that it's a brutal sport where men and women they compete in a cage. Yet there's so much drama in it. And I feel like as a promoter, you're very aware of this type of drama. Is that it? Sounds like Cage Thunder has dealt with that as as well in mixed martial arts.
0: Yes, you have to be sensitive to you know fighters. You know, especially on the amateur side of things, these guys are fighting for for nothing. You know, um, they're they're fighting for respect they're fighting for a lot of things you know each fighter is different but you know they do have day jobs uh maybe they're college students uh they have families so you have you know you have to be sensitive and you have to respect you know what's going on in people's lives but like i said you know fighters you know nobody wants to get in that cage or get in the boxing ring and fight so anything that can derail that to not to give an excuse but to take that fight off their slate it's easy to just walk away from that fight uh instead of taking anyone that comes you know 20 years ago when i was amateur boxing you know you would show up to a city uh or an event and you had no idea who you were fighting you were just looking for a guy with a similar record in your weight class and you took the fight so it's um I think with social media and things like that fighters are watching fighters on youtube looking on their facebook instagram and kind of getting scared away or shying away from from fights and i think it's losing they lose focus on what you know what they're doing in the first place
1: and have you run into situations where fighters are talking on social media they want to fight each other and then when you actually go to make the fight just nothing is being agreed on it just doesn't even happen
0: well, you know, my team does all the social media stuff, so I don't pay attention much okay. to that. Um, but, yeah, it, it does happen. I know for a fact it happens. I just try to, you know, Cage Thunder, and my team, we just try to, you know, we put on events, we try to put on the best events. We try to take care of fighters. That's that's our main goal. But, yeah, I, I, I don't I don't really look at the day-to-day of the social media stuff and who's doing what. But I know it happens, yeah.
1: And you mentioned that goal on the cage thunder website it says our number one goal is to give up-and-coming fighters the platform they need to showcase their talents inside the cage every fighter that i've had on the show that has fought under the cage thunder banner has complimented the promotion its staff and the several ways you guys go out of your way to help fighters i think that's what i like most about the promotion why has being so fighter friendly been important to you and everyone at cage thunder
0: well i think you know in the fight game you're always going to have an a side and a b side but these fighters they put in a ton of work and you know some of these guys they're looking to further their career whether you know in in the pro ranks and you know the amateur amateur game in the record it's it's not the end-all be-all but it is important you know their development is important but we just try to treat fighters you know with the same kind of respect that we would like to be treated with and we would like to like them to feel like they're important and they're special because they are without them there is no mixed martial arts in the state and we're going to continue to get better and do everything we can to sweeten the pot so to speak for them and, and make things you know better for them we want you know we want the event to be the best uh the best promotion in the state
1: and even branching off that how important is it for you guys to learn those backstories of these fighters and get to know them and not just book them on your card to book them on your card to get some eyes and get some fans and in attendance but really get to know them and build that foundation and relationship with these guys
0: sure yeah that's a great question it's important for me a lot of times uh i will see these fighters like debut guys that are you know thinking about taking a fight i will see them when we visit each gym but a lot of the times it's you know it's basically like a job interview for them uh the day of the fight you know at the weigh-ins i'll meet them for the first time and then that's when I'll, i'll start building a relationship with them and and go from there
1: and what does that day to day look like as the cage and their promoter you mentioned going out to gyms and connecting with these fighters i'm sure there's a lot of work that goes into it behind the scenes as well what does that day-to-day look like for you
0: so the day-to-day like uh the day of the event like the days leading up to the event or just like every day
1: to start just every day
0: every right. day so we all have full-time jobs as well so um you know we try to answer emails answer text messages and phone calls as they come you know in between our our full-time jobs but a lot of it is my matchmaker scott um he tries to get either between 16 and 18 fights scheduled so once we do that we'll just monitor the fights monitor any injuries any pullouts which happen all the time right about now so august 12th will be our next event my matchmaker will be Reaching out to all the fighters, make sure they're taking care of all their medicals, blood works, if it's pro or fighters that are 35 and over, just make sure they're getting all the medicals that they need and just kind of guide them. Because like I said before, you know, any little thing that can then can take your mind off the fight or even get you out of the fight. We want to just try to make things as convenient as possible for them so they don't have to really stress and sweat about that stuff.
1: And what about the week of the fight and the day of? I'm sure that can be a stressful time for you guys.
0: Yeah, the week of the fight things get really stressful. There's just a lot going on. Everything, everything's moving fast. Uh, fights are falling out, and I guess you just don't have as much time to make fights. So if you have a guy that's been training for eight weeks and you know his fight, he's worked his butt off, and his fight falls through. We hate to see it, but it happens all the time. Um, so we're, we're, we're stressing to try to get another fighter in, not only that, get it approved by the state, send it up to the athletic commission so they can approve it or deny it. The week of the event, uh, usually typically on, on Friday nights, we'll set up at the Chaparral till about one, two o'clock in the morning. I have a team of about 10 guys, uh, including myself. And then Saturday morning, we'll be back in there. I'll be the first one there at 8 a.m. Continuing with the setup of the cage and the venue, uh, fighters typically start showing up around 9 a.m., 10 a.m. to get ready for weigh-ins anywhere between 11 and noon. If it's the pro side of things or we have fighters coming in from out of town, we're providing hotels for them, making sure that you know they have transportation to and from the hotel to the venue and things like that.
1: I know there are a ton of stories, especially when it comes to the amateur scene in mixed martial arts, where guys are stepping in on hours notice, day of, and things like that. For Cage Thunder, when you're having fighters uh, drop out of fights of fight week, do you have any stories of where maybe that did happen, where a fighter really stepped in on such short notice?
0: It makes it difficult. So for us, if, if on fight week, if a fight were to fall through on a Monday or Tuesday, if we don't have that fight, set by it, it, you know a lot of times in a perfect world we'd love to have a plan b but you know we're not there yet uh, we're not the ufc or bellator it would be great but even with that plan b so even if let's just take you for instance you, you you're fighting branson and alex is my plan b i still you get injured i still have to submit all of alex's medical stuff and the state has to review his record to see if he's qualified to fight somebody at, you know, at the level of Branson and it, ma- it just it makes it tough, you know, the state, you know, they 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 do a great job. They're try- their, their, their main purpose is to protect the fighters, so they don't want to see anybody, especially on the amateur side, getting hurt or and we don't want to see it either. We don't want to see someone get ruined off of one fight.
1: That makes perfect sense you also said that scott corbin aims for like 16 to 18 fights per event why is that the ideal number for you guys at cage thunder
0: so let's just take august 12th so as of right now as of today we are we're at 16 fights i'd like to say before the 12th we'll probably be at 14 come come to weigh in we'll be at 14 there's a good chance that Fighters will miss weight. Fighters will not show, especially uh, the debut. You know the debut guys, the early, early on guys. So if we can, if we can end up anywhere between 13 and 14 fights, in my opinion, is perfect uh, on the amateur side of things because you just never know. I've, I, I worked for the state commission for 10 years. I mean, there's been events where I've seen eight, nine fights on the docket. Every single fight ends within the first minute fight start you know the the, the fights start at seven you're out of there at 8 30 and you know you're just not giving the fans what they want a little bit easier with the pro side of things having less fights because you know you, you can expect you know some of these fights to go the distance and get decisions which stretch things out a little bit for us but
1: so that 16 to 18 number is almost like a security blanket knowing that that might not be the actual number you go into fight day with right
0: right I think in a perfect world, like on for our September 9th show, if we ended with five pro fights and seven amateur fights, that would be perfect. That'd be a great night of fights. But when you're having an all amateur show, typically 13 to 14 is the number that I think I think all promotions and promoters would say the same thing. That's what they're looking for.
1: Once again, this is Randy Jarvis with us on Forge in Ohio. Let's get into some of the upcoming events for Cage Thunder. The promotion's next event goes down on August 12th at the Chaparral Center and features Branson, the one price, taking on Luke McMurtry for the featherweight title in the main event. How excited are you for this great main event and this great fight between two young, hungry guys?
0: Super excited, man. You got Branson, uh, who is our 135-pound champ, uh, stepping up to fight Luke uh, for the vacant 145 title. Branson is a uh, he's a super strong fighter, but he is, you know, he's taking a risk coming up and fighting Luke, uh, who's been working his tail off for a a handful of years now. I think that fight is going to come down to the styles. I think if if Luke. Pushes the pace on Branson and puts him in, in an uncomfortable place. It could get interesting. Branson is very controlled. He he is he's experienced man. He's you wouldn't think he had he's he's a six fight guy. He's uh he looks like a pro style fighter. He likes to control the distance. He likes to control the pace. So if if I was Luke's coach, I would say we got to. We can't allow that to happen. We're going to have to push the pace. We're the bigger guy, although Branson is, is probably the stronger guy. He's, he's a super strong 135. Uh, he's put together. But I wish them both well. I'm excited for it. I know the fans are super excited for it as well.
1: Yeah, as a mine, I think that's a great breakdown heading into the main event of what these two guys bring to the cage. What was the initial decision behind making this featherweight title fight? Because I know Luke had some heat with Matt Dugan, especially at the last event. But ultimately now it's Price versus McMurtry for the main event
0: think it was a it was a situation where it, was, it would have been a rematch for luke and i think uh at that point in his career he, he just wasn't looking for that fight which i understood uh although dugan is is definitely earned his stripes and and, and has the opportunity actually Dugan, you know depending on how the how both fights go um that will be the uh the potential fight for the title come december 16th at the canton civic center so
1: whoever wins on, on August twelfth, defending that belt against Dugan, you're saying at the City right. center.
0: Yeah, if Dugan wins, for sure, one hundred percent he he gets the shot for sure.
1: Interesting. That'd be a lot of fun. Now I won't say which one yet or won't reveal anything yet, but I'm featuring one of the fighters in the co-main event for Cage Thunder twenty two next week it's Nick Lute versus Luke Chokin for the flyweight championship. What can you say about those two guys and the fight in general in the co-main slot?
0: Well, they're both KG veterans. Uh, they have been around for a long time. I have seen Nick uh, training. So, Nick, yeah, Nick's training down there with Andrew Law, working hard. Every time I've gone in two consecutive weeks, it seems like his weight's coming down. He's getting in shape. Um, and uh, I think that he is fighting. You know, he's a family man now, and Putting a lot into making one last, one last run at it. And then you got Luke uh, fighting with Apex. You know, Brian and all those guys will we'll get him ready. We, we made the fight solely on the, on the fact that we, we'd like to have a 125 title you know, holder. So who better than, than two guys that have been in this game for a long time?
1: I think it's exciting too especially at the amateur scene you don't see guys make that potential last run more so young guys coming up wanting to go pro and make a career out of mixed martial arts in nuke lute's case you're mentioning how he's trying to make this final run at mma is that exciting too to see that in kind of a breath of fresh air i guess for a fight like this
0: yeah definitely um definitely i think nick is if he's not 35, he, he's close to it. So I think he wanted to take care of all those medicals uh, prior to turning 35. Because once you turn 35, you have to get, you know, an MRI, EKG, all of these these expensive tests that make things even more difficult for fighters to, to you know, to fight. Um, so I think that he wanted to take this fight and and. and you know, put all his chips in one basket and see how this year goes. And if he can make a run at it, you know, great. And if not, at least he, he can go down saying, he you know, he gave it everything he had.
1: Those are the top two fights for Cage Thunder 22. But as the promoter, could you give a hard sell to listeners who may be interested in coming out for some fights on August 12th?
0: Sure. We have, uh, we have a super heavyweight fight between R.J. Harris – and James Dennison, uh, two monster, monster guys um, that are, they're gonna bring it. Uh, you know, it's gonna be a, an exciting fight. You have a, a big puncher in both of them. Uh, RJ's a tough man champion out of West Virginia, a uh, lot of amateur boxing experience. And then you have uh, James, who's been like Luke, just working his butt off. Uh, he, he, he's a gym rat, he's constantly in there. We saw him last week working. I'm interested in the fight. You know, I would tell the fans well, they should be interested in the fight because, you know, the, the fans like to see the big guys throw the leather. You know, speaking of leather, R.J. Harris, I think I got to order triple X or quadruple X gloves for him. So he's a, he's a big man. Um, and I think both of them have something to prove. I don't think either of them have, uh, have been in extremely tough, not to take anything away from any of them. I think there's, this is a big step up in competition for both there's no way i see this fight getting out of the second round but i'd like to see james weather the storm and you know stand up to the power of rj and if he could do that i'm curious to see how rj responds you know taking him into deep water so to speak i think it, it it'll uh it makes for an interesting matchup and it also makes uh for you know if james wins this fight it, it puts him in contention for for being our super heavyweight you know fighting for our title so
1: yeah, that's so interesting because I was at your last event cage Thunder 21. And I believe there were two super heavyweight fights on that card. And both of those fights lasted like under 20 seconds each. Yeah, yeah. These super heavyweights know how to, you know, go out there for a quick time, not a good time. You're mentioning how this fight might not get out of the second round. Is it even going to get out of the
0: first between it these might, two guys? It might not. It might not, you know, it might not make it out of the first minute and a half, Um like I said, these, these are two guys, these are two real real fighters, super heavyweights that, that have a have a bright future of, uh, ahead of them, and both working hard. Uh, I'm excited for the fight.
1: So after August 12th, you return to the Chaparral Center for Cage Thunder 23 on September 9th. I know that's going to be a pro-am card. How exciting is an event like that to put on where you're showcasing young talent in both the pro and amateur scenes?
0: It's great. It's always great when you have uh, – KG veterans like an Andrew Law from Route 250. We're working hard on, on getting him a fight right now. We're, we're close. We've been close a handful of times in, in some of the fights have fell through, but I feel uh, very good about the, the fight that we're working on right now, uh, a fighter out of Vegas. Um, we're just kind of getting through the hiccups of, of the medicals, but you, that would be a eleven and four or ten and four fight with Andrew against a fourteen and nine professional fight. So that would be a big fight, you know, in the state. And then you have uh Lucas Mast fighting a Ryan Santana out of like the Finley Toledo ish area, who is a super tough fighter, uh very game. Both of those guys will bring it. Um but on the amateur side of things, just looking you have, you know, Devin Watkins who, in my opinion, is is a star in the making, man. Um, He is, he's got it all. He's got wrestling and he can box. Uh, He's gritty. He, you know, he comes to win. You know, he's a guy that could care less about his amateur record and who he fights. You talk about being in tough, that guy has been in crazy tough. So he is, uh, he's experienced, uh, but he's fighting a Mike LeFay who who's a super, super tough jujitsu guy. It's going to be wild. It'll be a wild night of fights. Um, you have a Walter Savane on the pro side of things fighting from strong style who is, you know, I, he always reminds me of like a Deontay Wilder type, you know, boxing boxer, dangerous. And then you got Kale Butler coming back from Apex that hasn't, you know, he's had a little bit of a layoff. So you got a lot of guys. I mean, whenever whenever a promotion can have five pro fights, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a good thing. It's a good thing for everybody.
1: You bring up Devin Watkins, and you kind of took the words right out of my mouth because he is really a star coming up for you guys. I was at Thunder 19 That was my first ever live MMA experience, and when he had that flash knockout, and I mean a true knockout, I was actually sitting right behind several tables that were sold out for Devin Watkins, and that Chaparral Center was so loud when he knocked him out. I mean, could you even describe what that moment felt like for you as a promoter sitting back there and seeing that atmosphere for Devin Watkins?
0: Sure, yeah, it's a wild atmosphere. First, my attention goes to his opponent who's sure. laying on the canvas. Uh, you know, I, you know, you develop a relationship with out-of-town guys that you bring in and you put them in a the hotel or you pick them up from the airport, and he was one of those guys. So, you know, I had some concern because he was out. I mean, that's one of few KOs that we've had that have been – you know put to sleep not only did he get put to sleep on his feet he took one on the way down which is you know even more concerning the second one once he's already unconscious but you know once I saw his opponent was okay I just thought it was great for him because he has been in tough and the fighter that he was fighting was extremely tough that evening you know who knows what happens if if he doesn't land that big right hand but yeah he's he's a popular guy he brings uh, you know he'll he, he brings Eight to ten tables, you know, of people. So he, people like to come watch him. How couldn't you? Uh, you? You don't even have. You could just be a, you know, an average. You know, you don't have to be a diehard type of fan to want to watch a, a guy like that and appreciate a guy like that.
1: Selfishly, I have to ask about a fighter competing on September 9th, Miles Robinson. He was the first ever guest on Forge in Ohio last October. I'm not sure how familiar you are with Miles, but what do you think about the Immortal and Strong Style product?
0: You know, I am not familiar with, with Miles. Uh, you know, I have t- t- spoke with this coach Alex and and my matchmaker Scott has kind of put this fight together. But he is—he's three and zero as a pro, so it's exciting to have anybody that's three and zero as a pro, you know, coming to, to your promotion to fight. I look forward to uh, to meeting him. He actually fought for my dad's promotion years ago. Looking actually, uh, as yeah. I'm looking, Cage Madness. Um, so I have—I've probably seen Miles fight, whether it be me, you know, timekeeping and working for the state. I just—I can't picture his face. Uh, I just know that there's a buzz in the air. You know, when you go to gyms, I, I hear other you know coaches and fighters saying, "Man, we can't wait to see see Miles do his thing." So
1: yeah, he's a great guy, better human once you do meet him. And I think he's coming off like a 27 second knockout in the first round on the pro level. So it's going to be a great fight on September 9th. That's for sure. Yeah,
0: I think Brogan will try to slow things down and and, and get it onto the ground and and let him you know do his things. But Brogan is a guy uh it's easy to work with man i mean you talk about a guy that you know you throw a name at him and within 24 hours it, it, it's a yes you know those are the type of guys that you like to work with you know guys that are, are willing to take on tough opponents so yeah i'm excited for that one you got route 250 against strong style which mm-hmm. are two great great gyms in the in northeast ohio
1: Yeah, of course, one more event to ask you about, and that's Cage Thunder 24 on December 16th. This one's extra special because it's in the Canton Civic Center. What does that mean to you and Cage Thunder as a promotion?
0: So it means everything to us. Uh, What we've been building, uh, especially throughout this year, you know, trying to create momentum to have this big show, you know, as a promotion, when you go down and have the meetings with people from the Civic Center, uh, you know, you promise that you're gonna try to bring in X amount of number of people and, you know, you try to live up to that word, which I feel like we should have no issue doing. I think we're gonna, we're gonna start putting pen to paper probably next week when it comes to uh, fighters that we want uh, on the pro side of things. We'll probably try to start with our main event first and, and, and go down from there. But you know, we'd like to have anywhere between seven to eight pro fights, which. Will create a lot of opportunities for pro fighters in the area because you know i feel like if you're not a, in one of these big promotions as a pro it's it's hard to find fights it's it's not very easy and if, if you do find a fight it's it's against the killer you know for not much money and you know a thousand miles away and it's just it's it doesn't make sense so we're trying to um afford everyone that has ever fought for us as an amateur i try to you know I'm, I'm i'm a loyal guy i try to be loyal to to the fighters if you fought for me or my dad in the past uh i respect that and and uh i try to give those people the opportunity on the amateur side of things for december we're we haven't really set exactly what the threshold of what we're looking for but we are looking to have every single title fight For each weight class. So depending on what's vacant and what's filled, uh, try to have, you know, like a night of champions and then, you know, maybe like a a four fight minimum for guys that are coming in uh, that, you know, those early fights in the night. But it's uh, I think Canton is excited for it. I know we're excited for it. So, yeah, it should be good.
1: Holy smokes. So I was going to ask about, you know, doing something special because it is at the Canton Civic Center, maybe doing like three title fights. You're talking about putting title fights in every single amateur weight class on top of having seven or eight pro fights. When did that idea kind of start coming about for this card?
0: Yeah, it started, gosh, it probably started late spring this year. That's why we actually, uh, the 9-9 show, we moved up. We, we initially planned that for, I believe it was like the second week of October. But it was just, it was it was too close with, you know, fighters getting injured, fighters losing uh, f- with that December show. So we didn't want to interfere with that. So we wanted to, you know, it seems like we're, we're back-to-back, which we, you know, forces my team, especially Scott, to, work extremely hard to make it happen, but we moved the the fight from October to September because a lot of the guys that are fighting in September are coming back to uh, to f- either fight for a title or defend their belt. Yes,
1: yeah, so that makes perfect sense. You know, having that layoff between Cage Thunder 23 and 24, September 9th, and then December 16th, giving those fighters some time and making sure you can book the most exciting fights sure. for the Kansas Civic Center. Yeah, yeah. Cage Thunder, like I mentioned earlier, Cage Thunder 19 was the first event I went to, and I remember having so much fun, and being in awe because of the 16 fights that night, only four of them were decided by a decision how much pride do you take in putting on fights that are exciting for the fans to come out and watch?
0: It's extremely important uh, for for us to have competitive fights. You know, like I said, Scott works really hard. Uh, he's been in this game a long time. He works really hard to make competitive fights, and you, you don't want to see one sided fights. Uh, it's never good for the game. And we're we're starting to, you know, the more shows that we have, we're starting to weed out, you know, the guys that aren't reliable or fights fall off or are getting beat, you know, early in the first round. So we're trying to make competitive fights uh, for all. And not only that, you know, like I said, these guys are, you know, some of them are planning to, you know, further their fighting, fighting career, turn pro. So the, there's development there too. You know, there's the right type of fights, whether it's a striker or, or a jiu-jitsu guy, wrestling guy. So you try to, you try to build them so they can get a taste of, you know, all sides of the game
1: talking to Randy Jarvis on Forge in Ohio. I'd say the last thing I wanted to talk about was the history of Cage Thunder and your history as well, because I'm sure they go hand in hand. How did Mixed Martial Arts come into your life?
0: So, mixed, like I said, my dad was a promoter uh, for Cage Madness. Um, I'm not real sure exactly what the date was, but if I were to guess, he was promoting fights, boxing matches in the 2000, early 2000s, and then... I would say roughly 2008, 2009, they went to the cage uh, over to the mixed martial arts side of things, him and a partner. And I was the timekeeper for the state. So I would, you know, I would be at all of his events and kind of see the operation and, and how it works. And even dating back further than that, I mean, my dad has been putting on tough man competitions, you know, in west virginia all kinds of crazy places you know and it's always been kind of a cool story in our family because it's a a family affair you know there's my uncles our cousins everyone is involved to help set up and make the whole operation work and there's a lot that goes into it but uh yeah that's that's kind of how i saw the makeup of 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 mixed martial arts, um, working events for not only my dad's promotion, but several other promotions and seeing, seeing the good, the bad, the ugly, seeing things that you liked, seeing things that you didn't like of how promotions would either treat fighters or what they were doing. And, and that's kind of how I'm, I've molded myself into, you know, this is what I like, what I don't like. I've seen what, what the, you know, what's good and what's not, not so good. But, cage thunder uh me and my dad took the took the business on in 2000 uh november 2017 was was cage thunder one i believe and that was we only had one event in 2017 and then had a pretty good run all the way up until covid uh so our last event was march uh march 3rd i believe off the top of my head in 2020 right before the world kind of shut down and at that time my parents were in transition from retiring and, and moving to, down to Southwest Florida. So uh, my dad had some medical issues. Uh, he lost his leg, you know, 18 months ago and wasn't able to to be my partner. So I've kind of just taken things on solely on my, on my own. Of course, with the great team that my dad has put in place, you know, everyone that has, I wouldn't say everyone, but most, you know, 98% of the people that have started with us are, are right there with us right now. So, and that's where we are. You know, there was a point in time where, When he walked away after the March show because of the pandemic, I wasn't even sure uh, if I wanted to come back. But thanks to, to, to him and my matchmaker, Scott, we did come back. And actually, my dad did come back after COVID, the first two shows possibly, maybe the first show, and then he stepped away totally. So.
1: Yeah, that's a great story. I have a ton of follow-ups. Just first, you know, growing up in that uh, atmosphere with it being a family affair, were you instantly a fan of combat sports or did it take time to develop the, the love that you have now for the sport?
0: Yeah, I was an instant fan. I was an aggressive kid and, I, uh, you know, as a as a four or five-year-old, my dad was a pro boxer, so I would watch him fight. I would go to, I would, you know, be at these gyms and see how things work and, and of course, he got me involved in amateur boxing at, at a real young age, and I did that for a while until I got involved with football and baseball and, you know, basketball, sports that I enjoyed a little bit better than, than boxing and fighting. Fighting's you know, it's a, it's a very difficult pursuit. But, yeah, I, I have been around fighting my whole life as far as mixed martial arts, uh, you know seeing you know ufc one it was i was a huge of course wwf or wwe wrestling mm-hmm. fan so any any contact sports i uh, you know I, I i gravitated towards did
1: you have a favorite wrestler or fighter growing up that you kind of admired
0: sure yeah the wrestler ultimate warrior was definitely my favorite or uh randy macho man savage because we shared the same name um my favorite mixed martial arts fighter was Matt Hughes. I always loved Matt Hughes or, or the Iceman, Chuck Liddell. I loved I loved him as well. Ohio guys, yeah. Yeah. Is Matt Hughes an Ohio guy? I think so, no. I think he's an Iowa guy. Okay, he might be. Yeah, I think I I wanna say I I w I wanna say he went to college at Iowa, but I, I think he's out that way. But Boxer, ah, I'm forty years old, so I was born in eighty two. I mean it's it's a pretty clear cut choice that, you know, Mike Tyson, you know, was awesome to watch and you know as a kid you're not very you're not wanting to see 12 round wars you are want to see people get knocked out early you know your attention span isn't great so Mike Tyson for sure yeah.
1: was there a moment for you and maybe it was a fight that you realized that you wanted to be involved in combat sports and really make a career out of this
0: yeah that great question yes uh so I was sitting don't quote me on this but I think it was the Medina Fairgrounds and it was isaiah chapman fighting got a police officer from canton i trying to think of his name because he deserves that i cannot think of the guy's name that he was fighting but it was a, it was an absolute war uh sitting cage side dressed in a suit there's blood sopped all over my shirt but just see just to see the back and forth of that on the amateur level of guys that are fighting for for basically respect and pride uh that was the fight where I said I'd like to be involved in this, and but it was a it was a I gr- it was a slow process. My my dad, you know, he groomed me to into this game and how things work, and uh, and, and Scott as well, because my dad and Scott worked together for a long time. So I've just kind of taken the ball from there and, and added my own touch with, with my team and and try to make things uh, you know bigger and better and you know better for the fighters and better for the fans.
1: Yeah, of course. Actually, you're right with Matt Hughes. I was mistaken with Jeff Hughes. Jeff Hughes, okay. Same last name, but yeah.
0: Also a great fighter. Yeah, Jeff a Jeff Hughes, dude.
1: another Ohio guy. Matt Hughes, not an Ohio yeah. guy. With, you know, growing up with your dad and getting into the business that way, was, were there many growing pains for you when you first started being a promoter, or was it kind of a seamless transition because you had that influence from your dad?
0: Oh, no. Yeah, God, there was growing pains. You know, when it's... I'll, I'll tell you the big difference is when it's your dad. You always feel like if anything bad happens or goes wrong, you could fall back on him. Even even as a 35 year old man, you knew if if shit hit the fan and, and things got bad, that he was gonna figure out a way to steer the ship. Now being on my on my own and you know being responsible for everything, it's I've I've grown tremendously from it. But yeah, at the at the time, I just my the importance for me wasn't. It's nowhere near. Where it is right now. Right now, I'm, you know, I'm seeing big picture. I'm seeing the future. You know, we're. we're me and my team are going down to Kentucky uh, Friday evening to pick up a brand new cage. So on August 12th, we're going to have a brand new cage to display to all the fighters. Another way of showing that, you know, we're here to stay. Really excited for it. I'll show you the, the canvas uh, after, after the show today. But, yeah, I think at the end of the day, when, you know, when you're on your own uh, and you don't have the support uh, of your dad that's been doing it his whole life, you grow. There's growth there. And there, it, that's been the case for me.
1: You also talked about uh, the COVID-19 pandemic and how that affected you guys. And I think one of the keys of Cage Thunder has been the consistency of putting on cards every month, every other month on that consistent basis. What was that time like for you guys in Cage Thunder? And were there doubts that, hey, maybe this might not be a thing moving forward?
0: Yeah, there was I think there was real doubts in the minds of everyone. Um, It was it wasn't great before the pandemic now don't get me wrong we we had a really good show in Kent on March 3rd before the pandemic hit but when I say really great show I'm talking four or five hundred people you know now we're looking we're looking to fill the Chaparels every single show and move on to bigger venues you know 2,000 3,000 seat venues but yeah there was some real doubt of you know like I said before we work full-time jobs and you're you have a family and you're thinking well you know is it worth what you're doing you know as you're you're coming in the in the negative after these shows you're putting all this time and effort and of course you have you know your spouse you know wondering well, what are you doing here you know this is this doesn't make sense you know i would say in the early days there was a lot of love for the sport man uh you know and it paid off and i think it i think it paid off for for where we're at now i think people respect the the promotions that, that keep coming back, you know, even after, you know, selling 180 tickets, you just keep coming back and you keep having shows and you try to uh, improve upon your mistakes and have better fights. And, uh, you know, I owe that all, all the credit to, to Scott and, and my dad for, for, you know, staying the course. But yeah, there was a lot of, you know, I talk about fighters having a lot of self-doubt and finding a way out. I mean, any little obstacle that kind of derails the plan you know i was looking for that knockout blow to just say okay well you know i gotta have have a good career i don't have to do this
1: yeah that's incredible And now look at where cage thunder has come and i think the growth of the promotion is really admirable cage thunder one was held at the tadmore shrine center in 2017 if i told you that in six years you'd be where you are today with a canton civic center debut months away would you have believed me back then
0: no i wouldn't have yeah, I wouldn't have, you know, getting those venues along the way, the Tadmore Shrine, the and and Sons, uh, the VFW in Kent. These are all you know very small venues um, and it was I had to work we had to work to get those places because it's not easy to sell to you know corporate America that you're coming in with a cage you know cage fights you know they think that there's gonna be fights in the stands and shootings in the parking lot or their windows are going to you know be broken. so yeah I, I guess I didn't see it you know I did not see the big picture you know I was thinking, you know we put three four or five hundred people in the seats wow this is this is great this is really cool you know I didn't see where we could go and and where we're going you know
1: was that hard to overcome that stereotype of cage fighting at least at first back in the day with the first couple cards that you put on
0: yeah and I think it. I think we're heading in the right direction now because you know the chaparral has been they've been having fights for a long time they have a, a deep history of fights you know starting with boxing and tough man competitions so they've always been receptive and and they've known kind of what what happens but you know when you get into the civic center so to speak on on the 16th and and you have a great event and you don't have trouble and you know a lot of mixed martial arts fans are respect they're, they're respectful people man people in the fight game they're not there to you know run their mouth and be stupid because they know they're humble they understand that well, you're at a fight show. Typically, there's probably going to be a lot of fighters in, in, in the stands, so you might get your teeth knocked in. If yeah. so, so you, you better be respectful. You better not drink too much, and you better not get out of line because those things happen. You know. Getting back to your question of did I see us where we are now? No, but it's um, I'm really excited for where we're at, and this is just the tip of the iceberg.
1: Yeah, and in terms of that growth, was there a fight or event that really made Cage Thunder what it is today and helped the promotion turn the corner from where it was at Cage Thunder 1 to where it is now with Cage Thunder 22 in August?
0: Gosh, it's hard to say. I don't want to take anything away from anyone else. I think there has been a lot of fighters along the way that have shaped us and got us to where we were or where we are and where we're going. But no, I can't say there's been one event... I guess getting back after COVID. I think getting back after COVID uh, was September was our first show. So I think the expectations there were were really low. Um, we didn't feel like we would put a, bun- a bunch of uh, people in, in the in the seats, but it exploded. And after that, it was like, wow, we can we can do this. You know, it's 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 right for the pickings. I think we were one of the first promotions back, actually after from COVID took the leap of faith and I really owe that to my dad and Scott because I was uh, I'm not gonna sit here in line and say that was me that was them saying Mm -hmm. let's just do it man let's we'll start small you know we'll we'll see what we'll see where it goes I have one show maybe two shows things don't work we'll you know say our goodbyes and move on
1: that mean a lot too to put on that first event after the pandemic and really get back to where you guys were in 2020 having that great card in Kent like you mentioned and then just having that kind of stop
0: yeah yeah, it picked up right right where it left off. I think fighters were hungry to fight. I mean, one thing that you could do during the pandemic for a lot of these guys, you know, most of their gyms they were finding ways around to train, so they were they were ready to fight. And I mean, the the growth of MMA in Ohio is, is is unbelievable. And it's it's credit to all these gyms, man. There's some really good coaches, some really good gyms, um, and it, it's developing really good fighters.
1: Yeah, it really has, and it's been amazing since I started this journey last October to see what this Ohio MMA scene is really about. I know we talked about the challenges of being a promoter earlier on in the podcast, but I, I know broadcasting is much different than promoting, but UFC broadcaster John Anik has waxed poetic about what it means for him to see a new champion break through. So instead of challenges of the job, what's the most rewarding part of being a promoter in MMA?
0: I think the most rewarding part is developing fighters and seeing them uh, move on to the big promotion. I mean, I think that's what we're trying to do. As a promoter, I've never tried to keep fighters fighting just for me. Like I I think I think we talk about the growth of MMA where where it is and it's great, but a lot of these matchmakers and promoters, they don't want to send their guys to other promotions to to fight cuz they they don't want they don't want, you know, to lose the revenue from their top top guys so i think it's they're selfish you know and I, i'm not that way i want i want my guys especially if i got some dogs if i got devin watkins i got garrett Hirschberger, i got nick nash like i'd like to see those guys be the b-side and go on the road and go fight some tough tough guys i think we need more of that in this sport or you know it'll it'll stay stagnant it won't it won't continue to grow
1: have you seen a story like that play out? I know those guys you just mentioned are still fighting in the amateur scene, but have you seen a story play out where a guy maybe started in Cage Thunder and now he went off to do some pretty cool things in the sport?
0: Well, off the top of my head, no, but I know my dad has. I know my dad um, had uh, Cody Garbrandt fight for him. Jeff Hughes went on to the UFC, I'm trying to think of some, because that was, you know, it's early. you're talking mid to late 2000s, so.
1: Those there's are just, two great names though. Yeah,
0: no, yeah. there's been, there's been several guys that have have gone on to to do some 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 good things and you know that's that's what we're going to do and the, the, we're right there. You know, we have the fighters that I mentioned earlier, you know, Nick Nash and this Garrett Hirschberger from Sugar Creek. I mean, these are these guys are are dangerous. They're they're good fighters. I mean, they're they're on the radar of some of these these big promotions. It's just they're they're one or two big fights away from from making it which is great which is great for us you know we're you know in in on the amateur side of things you know you have that top amateur let's just let's just talk nick nash you have a top amateur who's undefeated goes on a, a bigger promotion gets robbed in my opinion i felt like he won the fight uh he out wrestled a division 1 wrestler but you know the chances of keeping that guy around as an amateur are, are slim to none, but they are eventually going to turn pro and they're going to look to, you know, hone their skills in a little bit more before they get off into deep waters into into, you know, these bigger promotions. So we'd like to be there for those guys. And, you know, speaking of September 9th, you got Andrew law, who's fought everyone for a lot of different promotions, a lot of different States coming back and kind of making one last run at, you know, at, at this thing. And we're here for him too, you know? So, but, uh, we'd like to be, you know, in two years, I'd like to be on the regional scene. I'd, I'd like to be one of the bigger promotions in the state where people are are on the map and they want to come fight for us. We take care of fighters.
1: Yeah, of course. I want to ask a follow-up question about that Nick Nash fight because I haven't been able to watch it or really talk to any of those guys out of Victory MMA about what went down. But I've seen the chatter saying it was a robbery. Even something happened after the the bell and weather rounds too. What exactly happened in the in Nick Nash's latest fight?
0: Well, you know, I, I, let me go back and say, okay, it wasn't a robbery. It was an extremely close fight. Okay. Um, extremely close fight. Um, I had Nick winning rounds two and three, but even round one, uh, it was, I mean, it was a it was a close round. It's a very close round. But just you know, at the end of the fight, seeing the. the the gas tank of uh Jeff Magan mm-hmm. yeah uh he i mean the, the he could barely walk out of the cage he was so gassed he imposed his will on him he out wrestled him you know i've seen this all, a lot throughout the years of people getting hometown discounts but you know like i said it, it's not the end all be all for nick uh you he, he'll grow from it uh, he got three great rounds from a a, a very tough guy but after seeing that and seeing you know I 247 they don't release their fights but you can watch it on the app so I've watched the fight several times and it, it'll get out there eventually but it's hard you know speaking of Nick he still needs more amateur fights to, to be uh, become pro and we're trying to, to get him with a guest that you've had Trey Cusack right now but Trey has taken another fight uh, I believe it's August 19th and I think, I think so. it's I think it's out in California mm-hmm. but you know that's a fight we really want to make. I mean, we've been asking for that fight for a long, long time. And like I said, it don't have to be under the cage thunder banter. We can go we, – we could take it on the road. We can – you know, we've wanted that fight to happen. And then you have a kid out of out of the Columbus area, Trayvon Eller, yeah, who is dangerous. Yeah. But we've been asking for him as well. I shouldn't say we. I should say Nick and his team have been asking uh, asking for him. And, you know, that's – Getting back to how we started this podcast, you know, these are Trey's the number one ranked fighter in the state of Ohio, correct? I believe, I mean, I I I think that's what it is. So, what better than number one and number two fighting? You know, we've been trying to make that fight, and it it still could happen. You know, maybe. Trey goes out and wins and he's healthy. We have September 9th available and if we can make that fight, we'll just slide that Nick Nash title fight, you know, into that huge pro show. And if not, we'll probably work hard to to try to get Nick to turn pro, but it'll be it'll be difficult because he's coming off a loss. But the commission will look at everything. They'll look at the fights and, and, and look at the situation where we've 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 asked for the number two or the number one and the number three ranked guy in the state in his weight class and we can't make those fights happen
1: yeah those would be two incredible fights for nick nash do you know like what would be next for him i know you have that september ninth card you just mentioned but maybe he defends that lightweight championship in december at the canton civic center that's his hometown of course he trains at victory that'd be big for him too
0: yeah yeah i think in a perfect world what we're trying to do with nick is get him to fight he he's active i mean nick you know fought in pittsburgh and was back in the gym the very next week when we were in there on wednesday he was in there training so he he lives in the gym he wants to you know get that nasty taste out of his mouth and he wants to fight nine nine the difficulty with that will be the timing if uh if trey wins his fight and he stays healthy or even if he loses his fight and it's a decision but he's healthy and wants to turn around but you know he, he's, a, he's a guy that likes to stay active as well so if he wants to come back and, and fight you know within three weeks which why not you know it's the amateur fight game He, he I think he said he's on the older side of things like early 30s mm-hmm. so yeah why not come and make that fight because I, I have a feeling I don't think we can make it, it's going to be extremely difficult for us to make a fight for nick in, in september because he would like to turn pro he'd like to fight amateur nine nine and turn make his pro debut for us december 16th
1: yeah and that'd be incredible to get yeah. two fights out of nick nash i know when i spoke to trouble trey cusack he was talking about how he wants to stay around at the amateur scene get another fight or two and then turn pro kind of like what nick is doing right now so maybe that could be a fight that we see in in september or or december as well
0: yeah i mean even if Nick were to turn pro, which he's going to, we 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 got a, another two hundred five Dylan um, Dylan Miller, who's fighting uh, next week. That is Nick's uh, training partner, who is extremely talented, and I think he would be game for that fight too. I think that would be a great fight. We would like to see. We would like to see Nick fight fight Trey. So hopefully you know, hopefully he goes out there, grabs a quick, you know, first round win and, and wants to turn around and, and do it again. I think that would be great for everyone. I think a lot of people want to see that fight.
1: Of course, just a few more for you. Do you have a favorite fight in Cage Thunder history or maybe a few that come to mind when you look at the promotions history?
0: <sighs> favorite fight? Throw some good ones out there for me. Let, me. let me think about it.
1: Well, I've only been to personally Cage Thunder 19 and 21. I stayed up to date with Cage Thunder 20, but obviously I've not been around too long only your past three cards and yeah i'm all all about what you guys are doing so.
0: you know what my 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 memory isn't great but my sh- short-term memory is okay i i think you know like that stephen Fraser and uh the card kid mm-hmm. the, uh, was that the last show that was the last show that was a that was a great 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 fight two guys that just came out there and and threw leather for for all three rounds um that surprised me i didn't you know you always you don't try to judge a book by its cover but looking at that fight i thought no way that that was going to be the fight that it was big fights obviously nick nash beating kyle crumb was a huge fight um i don't think it was as competitive to put it up there with as a great fight you know Looking at Garrett Hirschberger fighting um, the kid from Strong Style, um, Brazier. I think. Am I saying that right? Akil Brazier. I mean, that was a two guys extremely tall, like high level MMA. They were they were banging in there. That was a great fight. Of course, the Devin the Devin Watkins knockout was was incredible. Even Devin Watkins losing the fight uh, to. Um, let me go back and look and see who it was. I can't think of the guy's name. Sure. Quint, Quintel Brooks quintel brooks yeah. yeah out of the out of the pittsburgh area that was a, a a great fight a back and back and forth super close fight um where i felt like we should we should have got the hometown i, I don't want to say we because that Devin should have got the hometown discount there but you know credit to the state you know the state the, the judges they did a good job it was a close fight and it could have won either way and it, it went went the other direction but i know i'm probably missing some great fights and people that are listening to this but like what about this fight but yeah. I, I can't i can't think of them off the top of my head
1: so rather than a fight what about an event do you have a favorite card or two that you put on in cage thunder
0: no i think they're all very similar um i don't uh any more emphasis when we have pros fighting as opposed to amateurs um I think that they're they're all they're all special I think coming back after after COVID and and having the success that we did that was that was fun yeah it was that was fun and and, you know my dad was going through a lot at the time with his health and things like that so that was that was that was good that one sticks that one stands out to me for sure and and the one even before COVID at the at the uh the vfw in kent because you know you have a 400 500 pl- venue seat venue where there was every bit of six 700 people in there and it was it was a pretty pretty wild crowd
1: last one for you and we've kind of talked about it already a little bit but do you think that cage thunder has what it takes to become the number one mma promotion in ohio
0: i like to think so i think we're a long way off right now we you, you know we have to not only grow the team that i have have we have to grow but we have to we have to add people to the team we have to add these missing parts but yeah, we we can get there. We definitely. It doesn't have anything to do with, do with the fighters. The fight. We got the right fighters. We got the. We got guys, and we have we have great relationships with all of the gyms in the area, to bring on these great fights. Because at the end of the day, these we're going to sell tickets as a promotion. But these fighters are going to sell a lot of these tickets too. So we have to we have to give them get the, get them exposed and and get the uh, the you know the not the die-hard fan in to say well let me go check this out you know it see, see what's going on down here in Akron or Canton or Cleveland or, or wherever but I think for us it's 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 growing we have to find different venues uh, we have the Civic Center uh, obviously in December but we have to our, our reach has to be bigger we have to get to Cleveland we have to get to Youngstown Columbus I mean we have to go to these places and and, and put on events uh, and that's you know that's my job as the leader and as the promoter that's what i need to do and it's that's my responsibility so if if it doesn't happen it's on me but if it does i guess i'll take a little credit for it
1: yeah i would love to see it personally before we wrap up i usually let fighters shout things out to promote he- anything here on the back end i know we've done a fair share of promoting already but anything you want to bring up for a final time here on Forge in ohio
0: no con- you know getting back to the august 12th fight yeah uh, you have uh aj mccann's fight and garrett hershberger we didn't really touch on that fight that's going to be a great, great fight. You have, you know, you're going to have, you know, fourteen to fifteen, possibly sixteen great fights. But there's five of them on an amateur show. If you can have five really good competitive fights, you're, you talk to any promoter. You're you're having, that's a good show. Five competitive, really good fights is is a great thing. And I think on paper we have we have that. Uh, that's set up right now. Uh, of course, you know, we're a couple of weeks away and hopefully everyone can stay healthy and continue to train hard and make weight and, uh, and show up on the 12th. But yeah, that's about it.
1: Yeah, there you have it. Thanks again, Randy, for joining me on the show. I'm grateful that you chose Forge in Ohio to clear the air on things, and it's been a pleasure to talk to you and the fighters that have fought for Cage Thunder in the past nine months. I've been doing this. Before I let you go, I've asked fighters, coaches, and now promoters alike to help me here with the OHIO chant and the podcast. So if you'd be kind to help me out here, OHIO. Thank you, Randy. I'm looking forward to Cage Thunder 22 and 23. I can't wait to feature more fighters competing for the promotion on the show, and I wish you and the team at Cage Thunder uh, nothing but the best moving forward.
0: Thank you very much. It was great to be here, and I love what you're doing with all the fighters that are that are coming here that are fighting under our promotion. It's, just, it's a wonderful thing.
1: That was Randy Jarvis, the first ever promoter to be featured on Forge in Ohio, and that was a lot of fun. He reached out a few weeks ago wanting to clear the air, and that was truly all I knew heading into this, and that was just fantastic stuff. Also, Cage Thunder is a promotion that I support. It's local in Akron, Ohio, and they put on incredible events. The first one I went to was Cage Thunder 19. And like I said, that was my first ever live MMA experience. Of course, I was also at Cage Thunder 21 when Nasty Nick Nash fought Kyle Crum and if you don't take my word for it, then take the fighter's word for how good of a promotion Cage Thunder is. Their next event is on August 12th at the Chaparral Center. I featured both fighters in the main event on the show, and I figured why not feature one of the fighters competing in the co-main event for next week's episode. Until then, don't forget to support the show by following at Forge in Ohio on both Instagram and Facebook. Also share the show with friends and download episodes to listen on the go. I've been your host, Jake and I hope you enjoyed this unique, one of a kind episode of Forged in Ohio.